Welcome to the Runner's Roundtable podcast. Season three is all about the how-tos of running. And in this special crossover episode with the Run With Cat podcast, I'm talking to physical therapist and run coach, Dr. Kat Campbell. We're talking about the one thing every runner dreads, injury. We talk about what injuries are and how to return to running after experiencing an injury. Enjoy this episode and thanks for listening. All right, welcome everyone. It is a treat in this episode. It is a little crossover action between me, Runner's Roundtable, and Dr. Cat with her Run With Cat podcast. And this is such a great discussion that we're going to have today. I feel like every time Cat and I get together and talk, I just leave with so many more ideas of other podcast episodes or just other things that we can talk about and share with people. But in this particular episode, we're going to talk about return to running after an injury. So before we fully dive deep into that, just remind us who you are, what you do, and what you're most excited about when it comes to your own journey with running right now. Stephanie, thank you so much for having me again. I'm so glad to be on the Runners Roundtable again um, for the second time. And I completely agree. We're always talking about different topics and we get really into it. So I'm really glad to have a conversation again today. Um, For anyone who hasn't listened to me in the past, I was on Stephanie's podcast a little bit earlier in the first season, but I am Dr. Kat Campbell. I am a physical therapist here in North Jersey. I specialize in working with runners. So I would say about 80% of my caseload is runners every single day. They're my favorite people to work with as I am a runner myself. And I am also a run coach. So I do that on the side. And yeah, I'm a runner myself. So I really love to talk running, learn more about running, And I think in terms of, for me, as someone who is a runner as as well, and like what I'm most excited for is I actually am dealing with an injury. If anyone follows me on Instagram, they know that I post it all the time. If anyone's listened to the Run With Cat show, I talk about that all the time as well. I'm actively dealing with some tendonitis in my foot after I ran the New York City Marathon in November. And it is crazy because we are recording this in mid-June. So it's been going on for a while. And um, yeah, so I'm excited to talk about this because, you know, sometimes you really, no matter what you do, sometimes you can't necessarily fully prevent an injury. And so I think it's really important for people to understand how to go about dealing with an injury and how to safely get out of that injury, because there is that cycle of falling back into an injury if you don't properly follow the right steps. So I'm really excited to talk about this today. All right. So I'm going to start it off. Big hitter question. In your opinion, what is an injury and what's the difference between an injury and like a niggle or a nagging pain? And then, because I feel like sometimes I'm on some of my runs, I'll feel something. I'll say this morning, this morning I had my long run And I felt something in my hamstring and I was like, oh, that's weird. Is that just my form has gotten sloppy? So my body is complaining or is that a sign of something bigger? So how do we distinguish between, oh, I'm injured versus 
I'm just experiencing maybe some discomfort? Yeah, I think that's a very good question. And I'm going to, in this conversation, because I am actively injured, I am going to use me as an example. I think sometimes it makes a little bit more sense um, because it is a very hard distinction sometimes, especially as runners. We tend to overthink things. We are very analytical. And so for me, I remember when I was training for the New York City Marathon and I was in my peak mileage when you think like, okay, we're hitting this peak mileage. Now we're going to taper. Everyone knows that you experience maybe a niggle or two, and that's normal within your taper as you are recovering. Right. So I think there is that fine line where you have to understand what is an injury and what isn't an injury. And I am guilty of it myself, right? Like I am a runner, even though I'm a PT, it's really hard. You almost forget everything, you know, when you're, it's, you're talking about yourself and you're not having someone with that outside point of view, but I was dealing it with, with it in my peak mileage and I was feeling some stuff in my pain, uh, my foot. I felt some pain in my hamstring and I thought it was a niggle. And I think the best way to distinguish what is a niggle versus an injury are a couple ways. And I think you have to understand the patterns. So for you, for example, like you said, your hamstring was bothering you a little today. And as a physical therapist, if you were my patient, one of the first things I'm going to ask you is, okay, well, is this the first time you're feeling your hamstring or is it, was it just today? Like, did it last the entire run? It progressively get worse and then last afterwards, or was it just a quick thing that you felt for like five minutes and then it went away? Are you, you know, in your peak mileage and stuff? is going on and you're really tight and then you go about your day with a day or two rest, you're okay. Or is it going to be something that is a little bit more predictable? I think that's the biggest thing I see for my patients when I have people who are constantly or are currently dealing with an injury. And then I have individuals who are there from a quote unquote prehab. So like they're there to make sure that they don't get hurt. And if they do feel something, we address it right away. And so that it doesn't become a full blown injury. Right. So yeah, I would say the most common thing I look for is the pattern of, is it consistently getting to this point of, you know, if it's going to be flared up after a certain movement. Is it going to hurt when you're going up the stairs? Is it constantly hurting when you go for a run? Or is it, did you wake up that certain morning? And I've had patients tell me this. I woke up today and my knee kind of just hurts. No, there's, you know, the whole month, several months I'm working with them, no complaints at all with pain. And then there's one day where their knee hurts a little. That's when I'm like, mm, I think it's probably a little bit of a niggle. They wake up the next day, it's completely gone. So I think understanding uh, that a niggle is a little bit more unpredictable, mm. you know, with a day or two rest, it could go away and you forget about it versus an injury is consistent. It's predictable. The same movements create, you know, a certain pain level. It constantly is maybe getting worse in pain. As you run more, it gets worse. Um, maybe you're not even able to run anymore. And yeah, I would say that you notice that it isn't getting better at all. Um, but yeah, it is a hard line to distinguish, distinguish and differentiate, but I will say you also have to be aware that a niggle. So for example, for me, 
a niggle still can turn into an injury. So I woke up one morning and I, so a little backstory about me, but I was getting used to or starting to incorporate carbon plated shoes. And when I was wearing them during my speed workouts, I would finish, I'd stretch my hamstrings and felt a little tight. My foot felt a little achy, but it was like a one out of 10. I always ask, what's the rating? One out of 10. And so that felt like a niggle to me. It was the first time I ever felt that. But eventually with more miles in the shoes, with more miles just in general, it became limping after running. And so understanding that just because you have a niggle, it might not necessarily just go away with rest. You have to make sure that you are constantly monitoring it and making sure that it's not going to become an injury. And that's why it's important. I think I'll get off my soapbox after saying this, but I think that's why it's important that you should always have like a physical therapist or someone who is very knowledgeable in that injury theme to be able to differentiate that for you and know when it's the right time to seek a healthcare professional. So would you say that, I heard this somewhere, or I think I maybe saw it even yesterday, where it's like a niggle is information, right? Like where an injury or something that's that you're feeling in your body is information. And if we can approach it as a source of information, then maybe we won't get disappointed if it's something that sidelines us. And when I think of, so, you know, this morning, or I'll give my backstory, right? And if anyone has listened to the London Marathon episodes that I did on my podcast, one of the things that happened in London was my knees. They were like, it kind of felt like a little bit grindy, really weird. I had never experienced that. And um, during the race, one of the things that I thought was, oh, once I'm done with this race, I need to make sure I'm doing more strength work to support, like to build the muscles around my knees so that the knees don't carry all the load. And I, no lie, y'all, I spent about six miles thinking about doing deadlifts and squats because my knees, it, for me, instead of being frustrated that my, that I was feeling something in my knees, I used it as like, okay, here's information that I need to take in moving forward. So would you say even something with a niggle is that if it's unpredictable and it just pops up, can we still use that as a source of information or inspiration for how maybe our training outside of running should proceed? 100%. I would say the little asterisks in there, knowing being a runner myself, seeing runners and knowing how runners are, is that you also need to be aware that there are a lot of factors. And sometimes it might be something like you're running, you feel a a niggle, right? And you're like, I need to do more strength work. Yes, absolutely. Maybe it's, oh, I can feel my form getting a little sloppy. And maybe, you know, you seek to run analysis, which we can talk a little bit about that too for runners, but like, okay, I got to run analysis. So I I know I need to clean up my run form and do something uh, to clean it up and be more mindful of it. And then maybe it goes away. Maybe it goes beyond actual physical, physically running and strength or form. And it's maybe I'm not eating enough or I'm not having enough fueling and maybe I'm not sleeping or having an enough rest. And so that's the little asterisk is 
sometimes you really just need to give your body some rest. And so I think the difficulty in that is making sure that as someone who's a runner and understands them, that they're, it's very easy to want to do X, Y, Z, and constantly be looking for the things that you have to add to physically. But sometimes it really is your body needs some rest. Maybe let's decrease your run volume, give you a couple of days off, and then you're good to go. Um, so understanding that, yes, use that as information, be, but be aware of what that includes. And it's far beyond just foam rolling more, theragunning more, using the recovery boots more, and that it might actually be you need to chill out and rest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it was, so with London, it, I like, I, I know what it was, but part of it was just, there was more elevation changes than I was prepared for. Everyone told me London was flat and sure it's flat, but I come from Miami, Florida, where any kind of elevation, I feel it like it doesn't matter. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Florida is flat. Pancake flat. <laughs> so flat. And in London, it was just you're running up and down streets, which again, I'm in Florida, I'm in Miami and there's just any, any bit of change. I feel it. And that was something I just, I personally was not prepared for, for 26.2 miles of slight, slight change, even the speed bumps, something simple like that. But I also love that you talked about the recovery aspect of it. Cause I feel so old school whenever, if I feel anything in my body, I'm like, Oh, I need to drink more water. Like I need to drink more water, make sure my body has what it needs. I, I don't know why I always go to the water, but that's the one that I go to. I'm like, my body's dehydrated. And if my body is dehydrated, the muscles don't have what they need to be elastic, to do whatever it is they need to do in order to keep up with all the activity level that I do. So I really appreciate that you mentioned the recovery piece, the sleep piece, nutrition, because that really does factor into who we are as runners. And I even think about it in terms of if you're not sleeping well, or I'll say myself, right? If I'm not sleeping well, my run, my form is going to be crap because I'm dragging because I'm so tired or my brain is just like, oh, I'm going through the motions, but I'm not exactly going through the motions in a way that's actually helpful for me. So I really love that you brought that up because I feel like people when they think of recovery, they're thinking of the active things that they can do. Like you said, it's a Theragun or the boots or the massage or yoga class, whatever it is. And sometimes the recovery you need is just, it's, it's your bed. It's your bed yeah. or it's a sofa or it's a chair. I don't know. Sometimes it's just what you said. You have to chill. So injuries stink and I think I have been fortunate enough to only have one injury that has sidelined me. And this was back in 2013. And I took six weeks off of running because it was an IT band, IT band syndrome. And I guess the question I want to ask, it's a two-part question. One, do you feel that most of the injuries runners get are connected to overuse and then two, so that's the physical question I have. The mental question I have is when a runner gets injured, 
how or what tips do you have for them so that they can still feel like a runner? Because oftentimes we consider ourselves runners when we're running and when we can't run, there's just so much heartbreak that goes into not being able to run. So the two parts is the physical is our injuries usually an overuse thing. And then the other part is how do we stay connected to that runner identity when we can't physically do the act of running? Oh, can you see me? Are you there? Oh, cat, cat, is it my internet? Did I lose you? Can you see me? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm the one that froze, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That was a great question though. I'll, let me answer your question because those are very good questions. And I would say the biggest PT answer when it comes to running related injuries and the cause of them, right, is it depends. It depends on the person. It depends on the circumstances. And there's so many different factors that you need to take into consideration when working with runners who are injured that it's hard to say just the word overuse, right? Because I will say um, one of the biggest things I've seen, and I want to talk about this on my Instagram. I have a post ready and saved. The biggest thing I see with runners, especially this time of year when we're recording in, in June, right? So people are starting to gear up towards their marathon, half marathon um, training cycles is the fact that the running volume is dramatically increasing way too fast with not enough recovery weeks in there. Um, and I think it is the most overlooked thing because we feel invincible and we feel good when we're doing it. But what people don't realize is that there's a three to four week delay with mm -hmm. your running volume and injuries. And so I will say that huh. like in terms of overuse, if you want to consider running volume overuse, yes. But I think it's more of a control thing and progressing appropriately um, and doing too much too soon. But that's not to say that there isn't other factors to consider, right? So maybe you already had some hip weakness and you're, you know, you're one of your hip abductors or maybe that your running form you know, you were collapsing more and you needed to address that. And then on top of that, you were increasing your volume too fast, right? So I I understand the, the word overuse. I would say it really depends on the circumstance of each person. But when it comes to what I see the most of, it's that people are training for something, then they find some sort of plan online because you know, it's free and it's easy, especially when you're a beginner, which is also one of the biggest things I see is that beginners get hurt um, for this exact reason. Um, so they're a beginner. They don't know much about the sport. 
um, in terms of all the things that you need to do to do it safely and progress appropriately. They get this running, this, you know, this running plan, they follow it. And oftentimes they don't even think about what their base mileage is, right? So you go into your running volume, your, your plan, and I don't know about you, but it's, I've seen it so common before where people say, I'm going to run the New York City Marathon. I'm going to run, you know, Berlin. And they've never ran a marathon in their life. And, and sometimes they don't even, they haven't even run period beforehand. It's like, I want to do this amazing thing, which I am all for. And I want everyone to experience and love running, but there's no base mileage. And the research and literature shows that regardless, you need to have some, you need to be coming in with some good base mileage. If you're coming in from zero, you, yeah, you're going to be progressing no matter what too much too soon with your running volume. So I would say it depends in short, but I would say running volume is one of the biggest things. And that's why I became a run coach. That's why I have my run coaching certification when I work with my runners, because other healthcare providers and it's not to, you know, it's to no one's fault, but like, if you're not looking for someone who understands running and maybe has those qualifications, you might be getting even misinformation from other, other health, health, other healthcare providers. I've had patients who tell me that they come back from weeks of not running and then they get cleared by a certain healthcare provider to run five days a week and three miles every day. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't seem like that much to someone who maybe was doing a ton, but three miles every day means that you have no recovery days in between. Or maybe you have people who just tell you to completely stop running and then you can go back up to whatever mileage you were at. So um, I think it's important to realize for people who are dealing with an injury or are maybe dealing with a niggle or are trying to run their first half marathon or marathon, that the running volume is one of the most overlooked things. And you need to be very mindful of that and proceed with caution there and make sure you're being smart about it. Um, I'll, I'll leave that there. And then I can answer your uh, tips for runners questions. If you have anything to say about that. Yeah. So I think that's, that's so great. And such a, I just had an aha moment listening to you speak. Cause again, I shared, I had my own it band injury back in 2013 and I remember hearing the word overuse and I thought, oh, that really does apply because I had at that point, it was three half marathons within six weeks of each other. I had never run a half marathon before, but the injury popped up after I had done all those half marathons. And I remember when it came up, I was shocked because I was like, wait a minute, I just did these races how is it possible now, now is when I'm injured. I didn't get injured while I was doing the races. It, there was a, there was a delay. So I love that. And I feel like our vocabulary when it comes to injuries has to change in, in that bit, or at least again, for me, it's because I just had an aha moment for myself where the word really isn't overuse. It's more of ramping up too quickly, changing that volume too quickly and I think even implied in what you said is the focus is so much on increasing the mileage without doing anything that will support your body in having the strength to have the capacity to support the mileage and also the recovery for it. So 
it's interesting because when you said the the people who run marathons who've never ran marathons and people do it all the time and it's fabulous. It's great. Keep doing it if that's what you're doing. But I really do find it fascinating when you see it's like a 20 week training plan. And for someone who hasn't done anything, 20 weeks isn't enough, right? Like I, for me at a, at bare minimum, even with people who have been running, I like an 18 week plan. That's just my preference. I like 18 weeks for people who have already been running. And within that, there are those kind of base weeks or um, I like to take a few weeks of just easy running so that I can get to know the person as a runner, see how their body responds before the workouts get added in. And I think that's another part of it too, right? A lot of these training plans that you get online will have the workouts, they're generic, not really applicable to every single person. And yet it's funny because we get surprised when there's an injury based off of something like that, right? Where it's like, oh, I, but I followed the plan. How could I have gotten injured? Yeah. I think it would be helpful for those free plans if there was before you even like you find it, but there's prerequisites. Like you need to be running at least 20 miles per week. This is plan is for people who are running who want to run four days a week or maybe running four days a week versus, you know, if you're jumping up to five or six days a week, um, all those things you have to take into consideration. Right. And I think, um, when you mentioned the strength training, right, like our body wants to be able to have the load capacity so that we don't get injured. When we exceed that load capacity, we get injured and strength training is going to be huge for that. But also just in general, realize that if you are running, slowly and building that base up slowly, which is why we're supposed to really do this during our off season is if you give yourself time to do that, then you are going to be musculoskeletally. So our muscles, tendons, ligaments are going to be building up that load capacity. Regardless, as we have more time on our feet, our body adapts. That's the way our body is. And so if we progress appropriately, even not that strength training isn't important because I'm, that is number one for me but also realize that you can still be building up that load capacity just by appropriately progressing your mileage. And what happens is oftentimes people aren't strength training. They exceed that too much too soon. And then that's when tissues start to break down and that's when you get injured. That's beautiful. I love the human body. I think it's so wonderful how it works. Anytime I, anytime I'm talking about the human body, I'm like, wow, our bodies are so smart. It's us that are dumb, right? Like our bodies know what to do and it, it'll communicate with you what it needs. And yet we're we're just particularly runners. We can be very, very stubborn with things. And I also wanted to add a lot of these training plans that you see online, they don't include the after race period. And that's something that drives me bananas. It's your goal race plan done. And it's like, no, wait a minute. Like there has to be some intention placed in the time period after you've done your race to give your body the ability to recover. So that's something that frustrates me, but I'm curious because you understand the human body in a different way. Are runners more susceptible to injuries post-race 
Yeah, that's a good question and a great point because I one thing that I saw with plans is that exact thing. Like I I've created a PDF that I put on my website for people to buy a half marathon a half marathon plan with again certain criteria, but also all encompassing of nutrition and the fact that you mentioned you need to have time after. And I think it is a great point to bring up because one of the biggest things that people don't realize, and again, I'll use myself as an example, is especially during marathon training. This this um, literature or article was found during specifically marathon training, but our tendons are actually its weakest and need its most recovery two weeks after a marathon mm-hmm. when we are no longer sore. And that is when people are already going and saying that they can do a speed workout and this and that. And so for me, I'll use myself as an example. When I ran New York, I ran it. I mean, you know, the endorphins were flowing. I was having a great time. I felt great the entire time. I had no pain. And I remember I took a full week off. I did like maybe two or three miles twice the second week. That exact two week mark. I kid you not, that exact two-week mark, that Sunday, I ran like three miles and I was limping by the end of it. And I was like, what happened? But I knew two weeks after, your tendons are the weakest, which is why I don't even have people do speed work until a month after the marathon, if they do a marathon distance. And I, you know, you mentioned before with you doing like half marathon after half marathon after half marathon, That's why it's also important to realize, okay, if you have that base mileage and you want to do a half marathon and you're running easy and it's for more of a a fun thing, maybe I'll let you do that as as someone who's a coach. Um, But also understand that this is why you also can't be doing race after race after race at full out effort. It's not safe to be doing racing at all, an all out effort for time continuously with such a short amount of time with no rest, which is also what people are guilty of. So. Oh yeah. I mean, I tell people and I love that. I feel like more people are talking about it as well, that not every race has to be a race. Some races can be, I'm trying to remember who I spoke to about this, just redefining what a PR is, right? Where a PR and this someone else on the podcast. And if I remember it, I'm going to shout her out right now. I don't remember it, but she was talking about how sometimes a PR can be, you nailed your, to your nutrition. I was about to say tuition. That's great. I'm <laughs> here. And I think about tuition, but she talked about like nailing nutrition, how maybe in that race, that's the PR that that's what you did well in. And that's something that I feel people, some people, not everyone really struggle with that. If I have signed up for this race, I have to race it. And it's like, okay, but you don't have to, you, you can just enjoy it. You can go because I know a lot of people, they enjoy the races for the environment, for the camaraderie, for being around other runners. I find that that is, I often question, is that a lack of self-control in something like that? What are your thoughts on that? I think in that exact situation, which we're all guilty of, you know, it's, it's hard because we, we don't want to say it as runners, but sometimes we 
have to bring our ego down. And that was like what you were mentioning, mentioning before with just your running volume and getting a plan out of nowhere. Maybe, you know, in the back of your mind that you probably are doing too much too soon, but you also want to tell yourself that you can handle it. Um, And so in that aspect, I think it is a little bit of a, we need to bring ourselves back down to earth. And I think that is when it is critical and most important that you have a run coach because again, we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I, I will never forget. I was in Florida in February, March with my boyfriend and we went and my, so my best friend lives in Tampa. And um, I guess if anyone's listening in Florida probably knows Gasparilla in Tampa. Mm-hmm. So it was around that time. Uh, and yeah, we went and did the Gasparilla 5k. I was with my boyfriend. My boyfriend's not a huge runner and we were on vacation. I was just, of course, being a typical runner going to somewhere different and doing a race because that's part of vacation for me. Yep. And I remember I was standing there with him in the corral and we're in the wave and he, you know, again, he's not a huge runner. So he was, he was probably going to run like at like a 11 minute mile. And I told him I was going to run with him. Then all of a sudden, you know, I hear, <laughs> I hear uh, the loudspeaker and the, the person's like, if you are in the blue wave, this means that you have a great opportunity and chance of winning the race because you are supposed to be in the first wave and you're one of our faster groups. And I remember I tried to go in the first wave with my boyfriend. They wouldn't let him in. They would only let me in. I looked down and I had the, the, the blue color and I'm like, all right, see ya. Gotta go. Bye. And I just totally left my boyfriend and ran the race all out, which I totally should have not done. But again, we, we all need a little bit of accountability. And so that's why it's important to have a run coach, especially if you know, this is what you want to be doing as long as possible, because you do need someone to hold you accountable. The same when I ran the New York city marathon, I'm like, I probably should not wear these shoes. But again, my ego got the best of me. And I had one of my PT school friends telling me, if you're, you feel it when you're wearing the, the shoes, don't wear the shoes. What did I do? I, I wore the shoes. We're, <laughs> I'm not perfect, guys, but I try my best. And so understanding that if maybe that you're guilty of this, this is when it is 100% worth it to have someone accountable for you. And that might be a run coach if you don't have, if you can't be accountable for yourself. Yeah. If you have trouble reining yourself in, it is really helpful to have a run coach. And I find that, and that was just one of the big realizations I had in the season where I talked to all the run coaches. And when I spoke with you, not a realization, but just like a remembrance that your run coach is able to have a more global view of you as a runner than you are. For me, even the same, I love that you said, I'm not perfect because that's something I say often here where it's, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure it out. However, it is really helpful to have someone who can see beyond the one race, the one event that you're doing. And I find it for myself too, where it's, I'm always coming back to people with like, what's your goal? What is your goal? If your goal is this race, cool. But if your goal is to spend the next 10, 15, 20 years running, Let's put everything into perspective then. So, okay, for clarification's sake, who in your experience is most likely to experience a running-related injury? 
Yeah, I think it's another one of those it depends questions, but I would say <laughs> research shows or what I've seen as well is a beginner runner. Okay. Right. For sev- several reasons. Many we just talked about the running volume, getting something online, probably not having a run coach. Someone's not holding you accountable. You don't know about the sleep. You don't know about the nutrition. You might not even strength train. And you're like, I'm going to do something. I've seen this so many times in New York City area, nine plus one, where you are a complete beginner runner and you start something like that. So I would say beginner runner. I would say prior risk of injury. Um, those are the main two things that I see, but I mean, then you also have to look into nutrition and sleep. Like, are these people, I would say you're more likely to get injured if you are lacking sleep. If you know, you're consistently one of those like six hour, five hour sleep people per night. If you know that you maybe having an eating disorder and have some trouble making sure you're getting in all your fuel or trying to lose weight at the same time while you're training for a big race and you're trying to perform. All those things I would say are the most common things I see when people are getting injured. And then again, just for clarification's sake, because I I really, really want to highlight this point. When is it most common, again, in your experience and what you've seen for people to develop an injury? Are we, again, we talked about the volume piece, but even for myself, I mean, I learned something new today of that two week benchmark after a marathon. Are there other time periods? Is that the same when it comes to like a half marathon? Is that if you're just doing 5Ks, is there a period of time where you might be more susceptible to injury or is that I'm it's a depends. I know it's probably a depends as well there. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And honestly, to be like completely transparent, I don't know. I know that the more time you are on your feet, the more miles you run, the longer the recovery. So things like a 5k, it's a lot easier to recover from a 5k if you're racing a 5k one week by the next week you're probably recovered because it's only three miles versus a marathon is 26 miles so think about every day and every mile coinciding as a day of recovery so that's 26 Mm -hmm. days of recovering and that's why they say that if you're going to try and build speed it's better early on, especially if you're trying to tap into new speed, that it's, it's almost better to race the smaller races, um, at one point in your training cycle and then build up to, you know, your a race, but if that's a half marathon, build up to the longer endurance after you've tapped into that speed, rather than people running half marathons and marathons and trying to PR that by just running a half marathon and marathon. Although it seems counterintuitive because the more you practice that distance, you think the faster you'll get with more experience by building that new speed with the shorter distances and having the ability to race more at those speeds, you can then build up for a longer distance. So I would say it, I'm not entirely sure, but I would say that shorter distances, probably not as much like a to like a week mark after like the 5k but I will say in terms of like what I've seen in the clinic and when there's an influx of people getting hurt it is usually when people are getting 
and building their mileage. So during the springtime, when people who haven't been running all winter and just really like enjoy running in the warm weather here in the Northeast, I see an influx. I remember, I think it was like March, I had an influx of runners out of nowhere because they're starting to run outside. It starts to get warmer and they haven't ran all winter. They lose that load capacity. And then they think that, hey, I've done eight miles last fall. I'm still good to do that because I once did that. No, that's not how that works. You've lost all that musculoskeletal load capacity and endurance. You're not at the same place you once were. People get hurt then. During marathon training season, I see that during peak mileage, probably around, depending on the race, right? But I would say more common, August, September, peak mileage time, I see people get hurt. And then after the race, I see people try to pick up the pieces they ran, they did what they needed to do, and now they try and rehab after the fact. So those are the biggest three spikes I see in terms of work as a PT who sees runners when most people are getting hurt. And it all has to do with mileage or getting through dealing with that A race and then just saying, okay, let me fix it now. Okay. I love that. I've got like a, a billion questions now. I feel, I feel like I have a, a lot of questions now. All right. I'm just going to work through them and let's, let's get through them. Okay. So I want to kind of go back in terms of I'm a runner. I get injured. What, how do I assess that I'm injured and who should be some of the first few people that I reach out to, to determine oh yeah, I am injured. And maybe this is a course of action that I should take. Because again, for myself, I'm going to be totally honest with y'all. When I had my IT band syndrome, I Googled it and Google said, take six weeks off. So I took six weeks off. I didn't really have the professional care team that I have now. This was back in 2013. I was a very new runner. I didn't know any better, but Say I get injured and I maybe don't know what an injury is, but I know that something hurts and I can no longer run. Like when I run, it hurts. Who should I be reaching out to that's not Google? And how often, or just, I guess if you can give an overall timeline in your experience, people with running related injuries, how much time or what's the range of time that people take a break from running for in order to rehab the injury? Yeah, those are good questions. And yeah, like you said, like if you notice you can't run, that's a huge indicator that you need to see someone because of pain. Um, And it depends, but obviously I'm going to be a little skewed as a physical therapist. I would say If you're going to see a healthcare provider, right, because I know that there's not always going to be someone like me in other areas, not everyone sees runners and not everyone understands runners. And I think that is a great thing because I see more of that this popping up. So be aware that you might need to do a little research and actual digging on your part to find the right person. It's not as common as just going and finding a physical therapist like you can see find anywhere. But there are people all over the country who see endurance athletes or athletes mm. or runners. So I think number one, understand that if you're seeing an orthopedist, if you're seeing a physical therapist, I personally think that going to see the PT first is a good option. 
Um, but I'm more on the conservative end. It really depends on what the individual feels like they need for peace of mind, right? That's completely fine. Um, is find some healthcare professional, whoever that is, who sees runners, who understands athletes and who understands you, how you like where you're at. Because I find oftentimes people come to me, they and you know, they've maybe seen other people beforehand and it was like, my doctor told me to stop running. They said to take six weeks off and they, sometimes they can even run. Like it's like a two out of 10 pain when they're running, but then they're able to run. And that's not a situation where I would say that like based off of my experience, they need to take off at all. Um, so I think mm. understand, <clears throat> find someone who sees runners, athletes, whatever that is. And honestly, we are in a great world of the internet and social media and so in a situation where maybe you know you can't find anyone maybe just reach out to someone on Instagram that you know does understand that aspect like I have people reach out to me all the time on Instagram like DM me slide into my DMs I'll I'll try and help you as much as I can I can't necessarily give you medical advice, but maybe I know someone in the area. It's a very small running world. And I think if you can kind of stay close knit in that community, there's probably someone you know, that can help you like you said, now you know, more people in your area that could help you. So having you as a run coach could be beneficial if you tell your run coach, maybe your run coach knows someone. But I think <laughs> number one is finding someone who understands who you are as an athlete and as a runner so that you know that they're not going to just tell you to stop running. Because oftentimes that is, I would say, the answer that most people get, uh, most patients get and runners get. And I think it's more of a, I don't really know how to help you answer because I don't understand running. Um, so that's number one. And then when, in terms of, you know, returning to run and how long you need to take off again, it depends on the situation. It depends on the injury. It depends on how irritable the individual is. So I'll give you several examples. I had someone training for New York. They had a stress fracture. They had to be out for eight to 10 weeks right? It takes at least six weeks for bone to heal. So she had no choice, but not to run. Um, but in another situation, I have someone who has tendinitis and it's very low level three, two out of 10, if they stay within four miles and she can keep running because again, that goes back to the load capacity. If you completely take away the running aspect and you're not building up that load capacity or keeping keeping mm. it where we know that it can stay at a low level, then all you're doing is taking the time off from running and then jumping back to it. And then you lost your, not only your aerobic base, but you lose your load tolerance um, with your muscles, tendons, and ligaments. So it depends. I'm a huge advocate as a runner myself. Um, and someone who understands that it's not really necessarily always the best answer that you don't need to take time off from running unless it is, is a very dire situation and is really important that you actually cannot run like a stress fracture, but it depends on the situation. So I'm not saying like, don't listen to this and be like, oh, Kat said that I can run um, because I don't know your situation. But I would say number one, stress fractures are usually the number one thing that 
you don't run, you can't, there's no other way to recover other than rest. So. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you think you're injured, go seek help. Don't, don't think that we're telling you keep on running. No, seek help from someone. And I love that you said, seek help from someone who is a runner or who understands athlete mentality, because that's something I feel like the running community is notorious for of when they're injured. The very first question is, so when can I run again? So find someone who understands that mentality because it will, it, it does make a big difference in terms of understanding how dedicated you will be to getting back to the sport that you like. So going back now, all right, I'm a runner, I'm injured and I feel like poop because I'm injured. I can't do the thing that I love again. Like how do I still identify as a runner when I'm not running? What do you think, or what is your usual answer to that? Or what do you think about that? Cause I feel like I'll see people when they're, they're injured and it is just so heartbreaking. I don't think people can understand how heartbreaking it is when you're a runner and you're injured and you cannot do the thing that you love. How do you talk to people? Or do you feel that that even comes up for you where people are like, I'm injured. I don't know if I'm a runner anymore. Does that come up at all for you? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And it's understandable. I mean, it is important to be able to have have other aspects of your life that you can identify as, but it's really hard because we identify as runners and that is almost who we are as a person to us. Mm. Um, so it's, it's hard. And I think it's a great question. Um, but I also think it depends on that person's why, right? So for me, in terms of how I view myself as a runner and why I enjoy running, I enjoy running to get outside. I enjoy running to like get some sun, to be off my phone, to not think about anything. Um, I enjoy running because I like to push myself and I like to put myself in uncomfortable position, like an uncomfortable position and discomfort and see how I can make myself better from that. So I like Mm -hmm. to push myself in terms of the time. I like the community, but I would say for me, right, if I couldn't run, I wouldn't want to bike ride. (laughs) A lot of people will say, oh, just bike ride or just do this. And so I think understanding like that, that is my why. So maybe I will have to go on a walk. I think in my, my sense of knowing that I like to push myself for me, what would make me feel more like a runner is making a plan that would help me in my running. So maybe it's building X, Y, Z that I know are difficult with strength um, that I need to build on for my next training cycle. I can still do strength. Maybe it's I'm looking through the fall race schedule and I'm saying this is the race I want to do. And like, these are the goals. And like you said, it doesn't always have to be time-based. When I ran Brooklyn, my goal was I don't want to run without pain, right? So having a goal like that, thinking into the future of will help you understand that this is not going to be a forever thing and that there's still things that you can think about when you're no longer in pain. So that is one way for me that I would feel like I would still feel like a runner. But some people maybe like running because they just love the community and they they love that other people understand them. And some people really love to go running with groups. I'm one of those people that I really love to run by myself. Every once in a while, it's nice to run with people, but some Mm -hmm. people 
only run with other people. And so maybe it's one of those things of, yeah, you can't run with them. Maybe you can bike ride with them. If you like bike riding, it depends on if that's what you want to do. Maybe, and I've seen this where you find a run group that does a lot of social events outside of running. So you can talk about when you're not no longer injured. You can still see the people that you have the community with, but you don't need to necessarily run, if that makes sense. I think it keeps you connected in a way where you know that this is not going to be forever. But again, you have to really do some searching and be like, why do I like running? And what is it about it that makes me enjoy it so much that um, I want to do it as long as possible? So again, it depends. And there could be other reasons. But uh, those are some examples that I would say to, to maybe seek out and try. I just appreciate all of that. I'm I'm so big on just connecting to your why. Why are you doing this thing that is very hard? It's running is hard. But I also really appreciate how you highlight the different aspects of being a runner, right? Being a runner means you're doing more than just running. Being a runner means you're doing other activities that support you as a runner, whether that be the strength training, whether that be going to that post-run happy hour. Maybe you don't do the run, but you walk or you meet up with your community afterwards. There's so many dimensions to being a runner that I feel like we don't always focus on, especially when we're injured. There's something about, again, there's something about being injured where I feel like some people may feel that they no longer belong as part of the community. And it's like, you totally belong. You're just at a different point in time when it comes to where you are with running. So, all right, I'm going to say community. I'm going to stay connected to my why and community and all the things that help me be a strong runner. Mentally, I feel cool. Now I'm going to start getting back into running. What are some tips that you have? And also, what are some common mistakes you see when someone goes from being injured, working on that injury, and then getting back into running? Yeah, I think those definitely go hand in hand. And I would say the the biggest thing and biggest tip is making sure that you find someone who can control your running volume. Again, because, because I know I've had people, again, who do not run for weeks for whatever reason, surgery, stress fracture. And then their doctor says, okay, you can go and run four miles. I think if you are dealing with an injury and you maybe are going to a great PT, but doesn't understand running volume, find a run coach who can progress your volume. I have a client right now who just had a surgery. She couldn't run for, I would say like eight months. And she knew her PT knew knew that he was not like equipped to be able to do that because he didn't know running volume the same way. So what she do, she found someone who had that aspect of injury prevention, being a PT, but also the run coaching certification to help progress her. So I think that's number one, making sure that you are progressing that, that volume appropriately. And there's actually like run walk programs out there. Um, I forgot the name of it, but there is one that is like a return to running injury. I think it's also important to recognize soreness levels and days mm. of rest. So if you're running and you're coming back from injury, 
And I think, you know, understand even if you have, whether or not you have a run coach, being aware of days rest, you know, how many days you need to take for rest. So if you're coming back from an injury, maybe start running three days a week, but doesn't mean you run Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you need to give yourself, especially when you're recovering from an injury, some time off in between each run to fully recover, especially when you're coming back from injury. I'm going to say that again. Um, it's okay if you're not injured to be running Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, off Thursday, Friday. When you're injured, you need to give yourself some time. And then you progress those three days in volume before you then add another day. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, realize that when you're coming back from an injury, it is very common to have soreness. And so people will say, it doesn't feel like pain, but I notice it. Or I'm a little sore after. Um, tendon. Tendons are always sore after, um, uh, you know, whether that's Achilles tendonitis, posterior tib, patellar, it's, it's normal to be sore. So making sure that you're also writing some sort of journal or log of what is my soreness level when I run three miles. Whenever I have someone who said, I felt my knee a little, or I felt my Achilles a little, I ask zero out of 10, what would you rate it? That's always the first thing I ask, because if they tell me one out of 10 and it goes away in, in, in 30 minutes, okay, I think we're at a good level. But if it's like a five out of 10 and it lasts for a day, then we know to decrease your volume. So really listen to your body and take some sort of log into consideration to be able to choose when it is appropriate to increase your mileage and when you maybe need to keep it the same and maybe you need to decrease it or remove a day, add a day of rest in there. So some, those are some of the most important things. And then from a physical therapy standpoint, just because you are no longer injured or you are no longer dealing with pain, it does not mean you stop doing exercise. So maybe you're not doing your calf raises anymore, which is, you know, this is the most basic thing. So I hope that if you're doing PT and you're at your end stage rehab, you're not just doing like double leg calf raises, but Maybe you're not doing your calf raises anymore, but maybe you're doing some sort of full body, like single leg Romanian deadlift with a heel flow and adding still in that little bit of Achilles work. Um, but re just remember that if you're coming back from an injury and you're feeling good and you're, you're, you know, scheduled to run and you're allowed to run, it does not mean that you stop doing your exercises because I have so many patients that are guilty of it. And then they start to feel something, especially as they progress their volume from not running at all. And then they realize, okay, I need to still do my exercises. And people ask me all the time. So does this mean I need to do this specific exercise forever for the rest of my life? No, but you still need to be doing strength training regardless. And this is something that we know and we talk about for so long in so many topics. Um, so those are just a couple, but definitely more. I would say those are the most important things to be aware of for yourself as a runner. When people go back to running after an injury, should they be doing mileage-based workouts or time-based workouts? Great question. Time-based. Um, because, and this is a hard topic to sometimes really get, runners to understand because I think because most plans are based off of mileage and like, especially marathons, oh, they're fixed on the 20 minutes, which I, 20 miles, which I'm not a huge fan of, but regardless, um, it's time on your feet and people don't understand that concept of time on your feet is time on your feet. So 
if you're doing three miles, three miles might take someone 40 minutes to do. Three miles might take someone 20 minutes to do. Three miles might take someone 30 minutes to do. So it's better to just have the time on your feet and progress the time on your feet rather than the mileage. Also, your pace might change. On a day where I'm really tired, sometimes I run like an 11-minute pace. And on days where I feel great, I'm running like a 9.45 pace. So it changes. And so it's really important to recognize that when it comes to the load capacity and building that low capacity for your muscles, tendons, ligaments, it's time-based because that's the one thing that's going to stay consistent and that you can continuously progress where that variable of pace is constantly going to change based off of other factors. Okay. I'm a runner. I was injured. I've just spent the past six weeks with very little to no running, all strength work, trying to get this injury back in place. I do my run and I'm pushing myself to run the paces I ran before I was injured. Is this good thumbs up or is this bad thumbs down? Thumbs down. Yeah, 100% thumbs down. I, I've had even people, which sometimes it, you know, when you go from a long period of not running, it is like you're learning to run again. So it is very common to feel like you just don't have the connection between your hands and your feet when you run. And so oftentimes I'll just let people kind of get comfortable early on, but also I should back up and say, if you have really spent a long time not running at all. So for example, like a stress fracture or like my client that had to take eight months off dealing with the pain for several months, then surgery and then recovering from surgery you should probably start with a run walk. Like, yeah, start with a run walk. Um, And it's sometimes again, hard because you know what you once were doing, but you need to meet where you're at. You're not going to know, you know, don't want to exceed that capacity as you're coming back. That's how you're going to get, you're going to get stuck in this like cycle of injury. Mm. So yeah, I would say, understand that you can't be running the same pace, but I would also say, make sure that you're probably doing a run walk in that certain situation. And maybe like, focusing on your heart rate, um, which sometimes it's even hard to build up that aerobic endurance. Your heart rate might be a little higher than what it's used to because you haven't ran. Um, so that's a great question, but I should also mention that in that situation, you probably should be doing a run walk and, um, jogging at, you know, I like to go by effort. So I'll say like a three out of 10 effort. Um, but sometimes people don't understand that either. So I have to really make sure, okay, we'll see how your heart rate's still 170. So it's probably really not like a three out of 10 effort. Um, But yeah, hopefully that answered your question. Yeah. So it's not necessary or it's, I know this is case by case by case, because I feel like most of what I've seen is that when people go back to running after an injury, they are doing a run walk method. Is that not necessarily the approach everyone takes or everyone should take? Or is that just an, it depends on, I feel like some people, they're so traumatized from their injury that maybe a run walk method is the way to kind of get themselves mentally to feel comfortable with running again. But is that something that, again, is that an, it depends, get back to running with a run walk method or get back to running three out of 10 effort, you run straight for 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends on how long you're taking time off. Right. If it was like, 
if it's so for example and it depends also on what the mileage was beforehand right so if I had someone who was running like eight miles every day and that was like their normal run then maybe we can go two or three miles and just see how that feels after if they took like a week off if I have someone who is running who wasn't running at all actually for weeks and months at a time then yeah I'll probably start from like a basic two minute run one minute walk and then progressively increase that from there and then sometimes someone it's a situation where it's not a two minute run one minute walk but maybe they're somewhere in the middle of of that and we do a run walk but it's like a five or a ten minute run and like a two minute walk you know so I think most times if you're coming back from an injury and you haven't been running at all, a run walk is the safest and best place to start. But Mm. in terms of where necessarily in that run walk, you should start. It doesn't necessarily always mean from the beginning. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I have two more questions. Two more questions. This, this, this will be the last like topic related question. All right. I just came back from an injury and I've done two weeks of just running. I'm feeling really good. Can I start doing speed work? No, (laughs) I usually, (laughs) so, you know, I think, okay, I have the, again, like I keep bringing up the person who I'm increasing her mileage and she just came back from months of an injury. I think again, when it comes to, injuries and running you have to think about the three to four week delay in running related injuries so for me in this exact situation I'll use my client as an example she finally reached 30 minutes continuous of running which is a huge milestone um, because she hasn't been able to do that pain-free in about like a year over a year Um, but it's a three to four week delay to make sure that that volume where she's at is good. So this past month, I said, you are going to run 30 to 40 minutes max every run. And that's it. Um, I think in terms of speed work, you have to think of it as another variable and factor. And so understand that if you are increasing your mileage, your base mileage, and you're coming back from an injury not too long ago, and the goal is to increase your mileage, or the goal maybe is to add in another day of running, or the goal is maybe I want to do more hills and like run in a place of, you know, I live in the town I live in, it's pretty hilly. So running the elevation, then the speed work is a whole other factor that you need to do one at a time. And so I would start with making sure you are safely at that base mileage that you know feels good and you consistently did several times, three weeks, and you feel okay. And then add in whatever factor you want to do. If that is you want to stay at three days a week and that was what you were usually doing before you got injured and then you want to add in that speed day, fine. But then that remember that speed workout was going to be Maybe, maybe even beforehand, you're starting with strides. Do strides feel okay? Okay, that's a great way to segue into maybe speed work will. Then maybe we do a fart lock and you just do one minute running fast and two minutes running slow. Um, so understand that stay at a mileage for a little just to make sure that that truly is good for you when you come back from an injury. But when you start to do speed work, 
make sure that it's the same way as if you're building up your running and that Mm -hmm. it's another factor you have to take into consideration. So if you want to add another factor in like elevation or another day of running, the speed work either comes before that or after I would recommend after because usually speed work is almost the icing on the cake, right? We know that if you build your endurance and you stay consistent building that aerobic base and endurance, you're going to get faster over time. So for me, I think the most important thing is making sure that you can keep continuing on your easy runs before you just tack on speed work. I appreciate that so much because again, I feel like us runners, we try to get back into it. We try to return to before, before and the before is gone, right? Like that, that's a different version. That before is maybe what led you to the injury that you had. So the approach needs to be different, but I really appreciate that because again, I find that when you, you had mentioned up like ramping up the volume, doing too much too quickly, whereas here it is that, right? If you add that speed work in too quickly, that's exactly what you're doing. And what I'm hearing you say is, okay, let's focus on building quality in terms of your base, and then you can add intensity. So it's your base and then intensity. And even then it sounds like it's, it's still a process. It's let's introduce, that's what it is. What I'm hearing you say is let's introduce one new thing at a time, do that one new thing for a couple of weeks to see how your body adapts to it. And then you can introduce something else. So it's not, I'm injured and now the doctor says I can come back to run and I'm good to go and I can do everything. It's no, let's focus on being comfortable, really tuning in, running a comfortable pace, listening to your body. And then we add those other elements of an extra day. So it's, it's that it's, I'm assuming what you're saying is like, say you're running three days a week, you're not going to add a fourth day. That's a speed workout. You're saying, no, no, no. We're adding a fourth day that is chill running. And if that, if your body handles the four days, well, then you can add that speed workout into that fourth day. Right. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Okay. Exactly. Exactly. And I think like you mentioned before with a doctor saying they're clear to run and that they just go back to the original mileage. I, it's it's something that I see so often and I'm glad you mentioned it because it, it can be, this is the conflicting part, right? My doctor says that I can run um, and I'm good to run whatever back to uh, maybe just they say good to run and the doctor doesn't specifically explicitly say start with a run walk then they think that the doctor meant they can run that their own mileage and maybe the doctor said maybe they thought that they would start from the bottom up right so I think also understanding that if you are getting cleared by a doctor again you have to make sure you have the right team of people who understand running now you have the healthcare professionals but if they don't understand running mileage they might not be in a well-equipped position to be able to help you start from the bottom up when it comes to your running. And maybe they meant that and you assume that you can do whatever you were doing beforehand. Um, So understand that you need to find the right people who are going to help you build up your mileage if you do not feel well-equipped to. It takes a lot of um, trial and error, listening to your body, Um, and sometimes it's just hard for you to stay accountable doing that on your own. So again, I can't stress this enough 
that you make sure that you find the right person to help you with this. Um, and that if you don't feel well equipped enough, don't do it by yourself because that's going to ha- ultimately be how you fall into another injury. And you just don't want to deal with the injury cycle of another injury after another injury. It's almost like people have this assumption that runners always need to be injured. And that's what it takes. If you're going to be a runner that you need to be injured, but it's about being smart, finding the right people and professionals around you to help and really like clinging onto them and making sure that you're doing this as a team. If your goal is to be running as long as possible, I tell people all the time. Yeah. Right now, maybe you want to do a sub 145 in your half marathon, but I know you love running and I have to sometimes bring that back down to earth to people that I know you love running. I know these past two weeks of you not running was probably one of the hardest things you had to do, not being able to and feeling pain. And for me, my goal is to make sure you can do this as long as possible. So in order to do that, we need to do X, Y, and Z. And we need to start from the bottom up because if you increase that mileage, way too fast, you're going to end up exactly where you were. And sometimes doctors will just tell you to take another two two weeks off. They don't necessarily understand how much that sucks for a runner to do. So understand that you need to find the right people who understand runners. I can't stress that enough. That's a round of applause for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because, (laughs) Because it is true. And I think there's also something to be said about your doctor or whoever, if they're not runners, they may clear you to do that. But, and it kind of goes back to something you said about the three miles, right? For some people, three miles takes 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever the case is. And I think it's the same where you say, oh, I want to be able to run 20 miles a week. That's a lot of time on your feet. And there's a big variable as to how long that's going to take different people to do. And I find that us runners, particular people who have, you know, have gone through a marathon training cycle or just come off of a period of, of higher mileage. We think of like a 10, 15 mile week as like, oh, that's not a lot. Like, and I can easily return to that. And it's like, no, it, it actually is a lot when you're thinking about the load on the body, or if you haven't done anything at all, 10 miles is 10 miles. And for some people, again, that, that might be a long amount of time. And for some people it might not be. All right. Final question. I've asked this question of you before, but I'm going to ask it again because it's just what I do here. How can we make running more accessible and inclusive? Oh gosh. I don't even remember what I said last time. I think I said like more sidewalks. More. Okay. So I'm still going to say more sidewalks and safer sidewalks, especially when I remember when I was in Florida during my clinical rotation. Oh, and more lights too, by the way. Um, yeah, you know, I'm going to still stick to that because I remember specifically when I was in Florida during my clinical rotation, I had no choice, but to run really early in the morning. And I remember being so scared because it was so dark and I couldn't see anything. Um, There was no sidewalks um, where I was running. So I was just basically on the street. And I think just ways to make it more safe. I know there was a lot of things going on. Like I saw I read this article in Florida where, you know, someone was assaulted when running in a super safe area in um, Tampa. And I would say just making certain aspects of for runners just 
more safe. And, you know, that could be buying, making like gear cheaper, more accessible. I know there's um, some different running gear out there, but those would be the three things. I think just to keep it safe in different aspects for runners, whether that be car safety, whether that be like lights, whether that be physical safety, um, especially as a woman, because, you know, I, I have that conversation with people often with some of my patients too. I'm in a super safe town where I live in North Jersey and I still get honked at sometimes when I run, which is so annoying. And it could be, it's frustrating because as a, as a woman, you know, men don't necessarily think like that. And I've had patients tell me, wow, like I've never had to think about it like that, the way you do. And, um, I'll be honest, I probably should carry pepper spray, but I don't. Um, so yeah, I think just making it more safe for, for people to be able to feel comfortable to run at any time, um, depending on what their day is like and what their schedule is like. And yeah. Yeah. It's infrastructure and it's also having the important discussion of why don't we, why don't women feel safe when they run and what can we do to change that? So boom, boom, multiple layers. All right. Final, final question is where can we find you? How do we learn more about you? And do you have anything exciting coming up? Yeah. Okay. Great questions. Um, so in terms of where to find me or how to get connected with me, I'm very present on social media. I would say more Instagram than TikTok, but both of those handles are run with cat underscore DPT. If you have any questions about today, you can always DM me, reach out to me. Um, I also have a website, which is just runwithcat.net. And then of course I have the run with cat show podcast that I'm excited to also post this episode on as well. Um, and yeah, so a couple of different ways. And then my email is Campbell at gmail. So if you ever, ever have a question about anything through email, maybe you don't have an Instagram, you're more than welcome to reach out to me on there. Awesome. Well, thank you again. I love talking to you and learning from you. And I feel like, this conversation is just going to make me a better athlete, but then also a better coach for the people that I do train, particularly when we're thinking about how the body adapts to the different demands throughout training. And I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that you shared all the nuggets. I was taking notes as you were talking. So thank you. Do you have any final words for us? No. Um, oh, I just realized I didn't answer if I had anything coming up right now. I do not half marathon, but yeah, no final words. I probably will just do a half marathon in the fall, but don't know exactly when, um, I would just say in terms of injury, just be smart, find the right people around you and, uh, take your time and stay patient. I love that. I love that. We're going to leave it at that. Everyone, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you. I love talking to Dr. Kat because I always walk away from our conversations with something that will help me be a better runner and run coach. While injuries can be prevented, they are also so incredibly common for runners. 
This conversation was a reminder that it is very important that we take care of our bodies and give our bodies all the tools of progression, recovery, and fuel so that we can continue to train in the way we desire. For more on Kat, follow her on Instagram at runwithkat underscore DPT. Check out her website at runwithkat.net and listen to her podcast, The Run With Kat Show. Have you ever had an injury? I would love to hear about your experience. You can reach out to me on Instagram at The Cookie Runner or through my website at thecookierunner.net. You can also support this podcast with a rating, review, or a share. Until next time, run happy, run strong, and run true to you.